All right, so hey, it's our soft open, and uh, you just missed uh, Sully telling lies over here about the oldest player to win an NBA championship. Uh, he says it's uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I, I said I have to fact-check that. He said it was on ESPN, which makes me even more have to fact-check it. It definitely was. It was on Get Up this morning. Yeah, and it, it, that, it's that show on ESPN. It's like quadruple reasons to fact-check <laughs> But we do appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we're just going to go right into our uh, video open here. I gotta, my computer's like eight feet away from me right now. But here's the video open. Hope everybody enjoys, and let's get on with this. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Drives one out to deep left field. This one's got a chance to get out of here. Go! Three-run Jimmy Jack first. Thank you for tuning in to Infinity Sports. I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Sully. What's going on, Sully? I figured I'd let you kind of talk a little bit because I usually just blow right past you. I say, this is Sully, and I go like for five minutes without letting you talk. So what's up? I mean, that's all right. I, you know, I'm kind of used to it that now. How you living, man? How's life treating you, you know? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Okay, I mean, Lakers won a championship. See? We'll get into that. Exactly. Let's go, man. I'm living the high life right now. My Lightning won. The Lakers won. The Rays are about to sweep the Astros. You know, I'm living the good life right now. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, for me, I'm waiting to watch a Patriots game someday, somewhere. Someday, sometime. <laughs> someday. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, if you're checking us out, obviously you're watching us on Facebook Live. It could be on the Infinity Sports page. I do share this with the Infinity Sports group, so you can check it out there as well. On the RTF page, the All ACCS page, we are rebroadcast the following day in audio format on the All ACCS network, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 p.m. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and watch the video on YouTube. We have a lot of graphics and visuals, so you definitely want to check out the video if you miss it. You can connect with us on Facebook at Infinity Sports Podcast, where you may be now, at Infinity Sports Podcast on Instagram, and at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. Underneath our logo there, it says, we will respond. It's not a joke. We will actually respond. So go ahead and hit us up, insult us, whatever you want to do. Visit the website, www.infinitysportspodcast.com. It has links to all of the social media, as well as our store, where you can buy great Infinity Sports apparel, 12 is greater than 9, uh, the Sully collection mugs t-shirts hoodies socks underwear whatever you want to get it's all there whatever you just support the show some of it's cheap some of it's more expensive the sweatshirt i'm wearing tonight is kind of an expensive one but i really had to get a 12 is greater than nine uh sweatshirt just because so i mean you got to right for sure i, I made such a big deal about it i was like yeah I gotta right you can't you can't not have one at this point uh, so that's kind of our opening there. Obviously, we have some news to get into. I'm not going to do the news logo thing. We're just going to kind of roll into it. Uh, a lot of football stuff to get into, some basketball, some baseball. But first things first, the first news piece I had here is obviously Joe Morgan uh, passes away, 77 years old, 1943 to 2020. Arguably the greatest second baseman of all time. I know you said Eddie Collins also in that argument. Um, you know, Roberto Alomar is kind of a, a different tier below almost, you know. Okay. Um but yeah, Joe Morgan, I mean, just unbelievable. Two-time MVP. I was looking at his stats here. Uh, his o- OPS of 819 is better than Derek Jeter, Alfonso Soriano, or Johnny Bench. Jesus. I mean, he was an incredible, incredible player. I mean, he was the start of, like, you know, the the real true offensive second baseman, I think. He, I mean, he was just so incredibly good at all facets. And, you know, that big red machine was such an unstoppable team. They were so good. Yeah, I mean, uh, two-time MVP, ten-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove. So it wasn't just with a bat; like he, he was a good fielder too. So. Yeah, he could do it on both sides of the ball for sure. And I feel like that was back in the day when if you got a Gold Glove, you actually earned a Gold Glove award. You were one of the best fielders in baseball. I feel like now it's kind of name recognition. You almost get it for that. I mean, some. I mean, to be fair, like Angelton Simmons gets it, and like nobody knows who he is, you know, and he gets it like every year at short, or at least he used to, you know. So it, it kind of depends. I mean, a lot of these guys really do deserve it. Like Kevin Kiermeyer gets the platinum glove, you know, nobody outside of Tampa really knows who he is. I didn't even know they had a platinum glove. They do. Yeah, it's, yeah, 
It's when you like every, skip it. It's when like nobody else gets a vote for Gold Glove. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So it's like if you're um, the only player to receive the vote in your in your AL, then you get a platinum glove. Uh, speaking of MLB, we got the postseason 2020. It has advanced to the uh, CSs. Is that where right now? The ALCS, NLCS. Yeah. Uh, right? Actually, if you and see me they- looking down right now, I apologize, folks. The the Astros had the bases loaded, you know, in the top of the ninth. So it's four two. I'm a little. I apologize, guys. I'm here though. <laughs> yeah, we do have. Uh, yeah, the Rays uh, did beat the Astros in the first game of the series, two to one. Uh, they beat the Yankees three games to two. The Astros beat the A's three games to one. Um, so now we got the Astros and the Rays, which is a game I know with or a series that you were really looking forward to, just seeing the Rays stop the Astros. Right? Beat the shit out of that cheating ass piece of shit franchise. I'm sorry for my language, but let's be real. You know, my my hatred for the Astros is very well known, and so to be able to you know, face them and, and kind of get some revenge, quote unquote, is going to feel pretty nice. You know, it's like I said, it's four to two, top of the ninth, two outs. We just had a walk. So now they got uh, the winning man is, is about to walk up to the plate. So they got a man first and third right now with two outs. So I'm a little nervous, but, you know. Well, the go ahead, not the winning because they're in the top. Oh, that's true. Go ahead. You are right. It is the top. You are right. Um, but either way, still a little nervous. <laughs> uh, on the National League side, we got the uh, the Dodgers and the Braves both swept their series 3-0, and now they are playing against each other. And I think that this is going to be a really good series. I mean, you know the Dodgers look like they are unbeatable, but the Braves look pretty good too. Well, the Braves bullpen, you know, is probably like the second best that's out right now. Other than the Rays, I think the Rays have the most arms like available. Um, other than that, I, I really like the Braves and their depth of their pitching staff. Uh, now, obviously, you know, Kershaw and um, Stripling or Stripling, whatever, you know, Ross Stripling and, and them over there in uh, L.A. are going to be tough. Urias and all of them are going to be difficult. But I don't know. For some reason, I just think Atlanta has the ability to pull an upset here. That lineup is good. I did see a lot of Dodgers fans kind of complaining about uh, the, the Padres complaining, like the Padres, uh, uh, Machado, I guess, and Tatis at one point got into a shouting match over a robbed home run. Didn't like Bellinger rob him from a home run. Everybody was celebrating and he got pissed about it. Well, yeah, so Manny Machado hit a bomb and then threw the bat. It wasn't like a bat flip. He like threw it back towards his dugout and like screamed at his dugout. Well, then later on they robbed – uh, a home run and the pitcher threw his glove and then screamed <laughs> and then so and then so Manny Machado got all pissed off and started yelling and bitching and it's like motherfucker you just did that like what what are you so mad at yeah just and that's that was my argument last week when we had this discussion about the stupid snarl by Hero who we'll get into right yeah is that if LeBron can pound his chest and, and make mean faces then so can Tyler Hero well, yeah, but Manny Machado isn't either one of them. It'd more be like, you know, again, because I, I don't mind what Manny Machado did. I, he's trying to pump up his team and, you know, get a fire, light a fire underneath him. So I really don't mind it. Um, fuck, we just walked the bases loaded. Um, I'm just a little worried that, like, you know, when, like, guys who haven't earned that right, you know, do it. And then if they make a big deal about it after. Like, Manny Machado has no right to make a big deal about it. I don't think anyone ever has a. If you do it first, you can't be upset that somebody does it back at you. Is the way I look at it. I never I do it first, you yeah. know. Um, but I will do it back. I just didn't like Tyler Harrow doing it because you know, he, again, he like he's just poking a bear that that for one he doesn't deserve to poke, and for two he shouldn't poke. But I didn't think it was like he was taking a shot at LeBron. I think he was doing what LeBron does, which is like, hey, cameras, look at me, look at what I'm doing. I mean, I I understand what you're saying, but again, LeBron has been to ten finals, won three finals MVPs with three different teams, you know, won four championships. If he snarls, he can snarl. Tyler Harrow averages thirteen a game. He can't fucking yeah. snarl. And I'll get into the whole Tyler Harrow and LeBron thing here in a second. I just, I, I think it's it's a two way street. They're all Let's equal. Let's go. Sorry. Close it out. Close it. Alex Bregman flew out to center. Uh, with the bases loaded, so we close it out. Yeah, four two up two zero. Yeah, up two zero. Let's go Rays, baby. Now speaking of Tyler Hero and LeBron James, the Los Angeles Lakers are the 2020 NBA champions. Let's go. Uh, 
LeBron James is the finals MVP. Uh, looking at this game here, 106-93, it really wasn't that close. Uh, like I would mentioned to you before we started taping, it was like 75 to 48, like at one point. It was just a domination. 37 at one point. Yeah, it was just, they just blew yeah. them out. And then at the end of the game, I think they probably put all their bench guys in so nobody get hurt. That's exactly what they did. And then, like, I don't think AD played for, like, he didn't play for, like, a four-minute stretch at one point. Then they cut it to, like, I think it was, like, 16, and he came on, and they just kind of shut it out again. Yeah. Now, LeBron had 28, 14, and 10. Uh, and I will say this. So I've seen a lot of arguments out there from the LeBron haters, and we all know who they are. We see them all over Facebook, right, who said that, Anthony Davis should be the MVP, not LeBron. But if they give it to LeBron, it's only because he is LeBron. And looking at the stats, I mean, LeBron averaged 30 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, 8.5 assists. That's more rebounds than Anthony Davis, more points than Anthony Davis, and like triple the assists of Anthony Davis. So why would Anthony Davis deserve the MVP over LeBron? I mean, if you watch the game last night, Anthony Davis was the difference maker of that game. Um, but – Again, I don't know if it was a true needle mover to take the whole series, you know, for the MVP. I think Anthony Davis made his mark in two games, but LeBron has obviously held his weight for all six. And that's not to say Anthony Davis hasn't held his weight. He just hasn't averaged a triple-double. But, I mean, Anthony Davis completely owned that game last night. He was a, a absolute dominant in the paint. Like, you couldn't – he was he was guarding the three-point line corner shot and also blocking shots. It was It was insane to watch. Well, I will say this, too, about uh, our buddy Tyler Hero, who finished the series averaging 14.7 points per game. Regular season, he averaged 13 points per game, so a little bit better than that. He shot 37% from the field uh, for that series, 37. And I'm like, and not from three, like from the field. And I'm like, this is the guy who everyone is saying is the next great superstar in the NBA, the next Luka, the next Trey Young. You know, come on. There's no way. Meanwhile, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I believe, I could be wrong with this, they're one of, if not the only teammates, to average 25 and both shoot over 50% from the field. Hmm. Yeah. Another one I'll have to double check. <laughs> that one I wasn't sure. It could have been one of four, but I, I wasn't because they played it at the bottom of the screen um, at, at, at the end of the game last night. Yep. And they both averaged over 25 and both shot over 50%. It may have been the, the first time since Kobe and Shaq or something like that. But well, I don't know if Kobe ever shot 50% from the field. He was always like a 41, 42%. Yeah, so, so I'm not sure. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty crazy stat to think about, especially when you consider Tyler Hero shooting 37% from the field. Yeah, what a douchebag. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny is like, I don't even like – there's really no reason for me to dislike him other than everybody else's hype about him. Everybody else loves him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to be fair, like, let's give a lot of credit to the Miami franchise and the team. They had no right to even be there. They played out their minds. Uh, I mean, they really played incredible. Bam Adebayo put his name on the map. The guy's a stud. Jimmy Butler is a beast, man. I mean, that guy can flat out ball. I mean, they've got a really bright future, I think. So. Well, and here's another one. So I just talked about the LeBron haters, right? And the LeBron haters would love the stat if it was reversed. But Jimmy Butler, that game was five of ten shooting, twelve seven and eight. Now imagine LeBron James gets eliminated in the finals with a twelve seven and eight game. Like, dude, they would crap all over him. But all oh, these guys were, yeah, Jimmy Butler, he's a really good solid player. Come on, man. Like, he played forty-seven of forty-eight minutes the night before, whatever the game before, you know, and he was yeah. visibly gassed. And, and and I agree. I mean, everybody's going to find a reason to bash LeBron, but also Jimmy Butler's not held in the same light as LeBron, so that's why he's not looked at under the same microscope. I mean, when we talk about LeBron, you know, like we've made the point, and and uh, God, you know, I hate him, but Big Mouth Stephen A. made the point again today. Like, you know, everybody thinks he's disrespecting LeBron because he has him at number two overall, and it's like. Bro, I have him as the second best basketball player to ever walk the earth, and you're acting like I like shit on the guy. Like, <laughs> well, and, and that kind of brings me into my next section here, which I have LeBron goat talk, which is what we're going to hear for the next you know two to three months is people making their cases for LeBron James as the goat. And I think you can make certain cases because basketball is very nuanced. I don't believe in the whole well, he had six rings, Jordan six no. 
that's one tiny aspect of a large picture. So it's you got to look at a lot of things, and you can make a case for LeBron James as the best of all. I mean, ten straight finals or something like that, right? Or eight straight finals, nine, whatever it is. That's insane. Yeah, it's eight straight finals, I believe, but ten finals overall is bonkers. I mean, that's I don't care if you lost six of them. I mean, yeah, that that's his big knock. Is you know everybody says well he lost six finals. Well, you, to lose six finals and to win four, you got to go to ten of them. Like that's insane. <laughs> You know, and he's also the career leader in points scored in, in the playoffs. You know, he, he's going to be, you know, this guy who's going to have all these records for points, assists, and rebounds and things like that. You know, he, he's transformed from the best power forward in the game to arguably the best point guard in the game. You, you know, I just think, like, you he has a very good argument. He really does. It's just a matter of preference, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand the attacks. I don't like – making your case for this guy by crapping on this guy. You know what I mean? Like, either do I. Yeah. Right. The people who say, oh, you know, LeBron's the greatest because, well, look at Jordan. Blah. Why you got to knock Jordan? Just say LeBron's the greatest because of this. You know? Like Jordan and, never won without Pippen. Da, 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 da. Well, yeah. uh, okay. Well, you know, uh, okay. He also won six in a row and like, you know, so, or not six in a row, but you know, the six in a row he played, he, he also never lost one. There's all kinds of arguments on back and forth, but I agree. You shouldn't have to, ba- if you have to bash another guy, then you're not, it's like hitting on a girl. Like if when you're hitting on a girl, if, if she likes another guy and you gotta bash the other guy to get to her, bro, like you ain't you ain't no no baller, bro. No. You a stamp, not a pimp. <laughs> and that brings me to Colin Cowherd, who I think I've made my disdain uh, for very no. I hate this guy. Everything player. he says is so pompous. And he apparently had said uh, Michael Jordan needed stuff. He needed Scottie Pippen. He needed Phil Jackson. All LeBron James needs is a basketball. Well, that's the most ridiculous argument ever. I, I, I mean, like everybody needs somebody. Basketball is a team sport. All these are team sports. You're never going to do it five on one. So I don't, I don't understand the. I, I hate that argument. Yeah, it's too, because like Anthony Davis, who might be a top five player in the entire uh, league, he is. Yeah. Like, let's and, be and right. like, oh, might yeah. be a top three. Player, <laughs> and then you've got you know Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, who both were top 10, 15 players at that time. I mean, and I'm not trying to take away anything away from LeBron because I think LeBron's phenomenal. But I'm saying that like, everybody needs that help. Everybody, you again, it's it's impossible to win one versus five. It's impossible. The same guys who were bashing LeBron for passing up the shot. Well, it's like we made the right play. Like Michael Jordan has passed up shots to when he needed to to win ball games too. Doesn't make him less clutch or less of a baller or anything like that. Makes him a smart basketball player. If he not if Danny Green knocks down that shot, LeBron James looks like a genius. You know what I mean? So. And Danny Green has knocked down that shot many times. So it's yeah. not even that bad. Of a point. It's not like he passed it to. Even Anthony Davis for three. It's, it's like the guy was wide open. Huh? Well, also, I mean, to be fair, Danny Green hadn't – I don't think he played, you know, like a minute in the fourth quarter. So, like, he was dead cold. They should have kept Caruso in to hit the shot. But it's that's beyond the point. You know, I, what do you think about was- Frank Vogel winning? Do we, like – do we respect Frank Vogel as a coach? Or, like, do we just think – I mean, he's got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. What else do you, what else do you need? But that's the same argument that people use against Spolstra in Miami. You know, and I, I always thought Spolstra was a great coach and just, you know, he had great players. I don't think Vogel, I like Vogel as a top third coach. Like he's a top third coaches, but he's not like an echelon, like top elite echelon. Like I feel like you got Brad Stevens, Popovich, Spolstra. Uh, I mean, I think Rick Carlisle was a really great coach. You know, I don't think Vogel's in their class. Like he's below them. Okay. I don't disagree with that. I I don't view him as an elite coach either. I was just kind of wondering. I mean, I like him, though. He's not bad. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing I had, we talked about this before the show, is on Facebook, the new thing with all the bitter, butthurt Celtics fans. Now that the Lakers are tied 17-17 on the banners, right? All the excuses are coming out. The big thing I'm seeing is, well, they really only have 12 because they won five of those in Minnesota. And that yeah, doesn't well, make any sense to me. Four in Minnesota, one in Orlando, right? Or is this the no, one in Orlando? No, no Orlando's like... still considered an L.A. Uh, oh, okay. Championship because Orlando's that's the a, bubble. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> um, okay. I, I wasn't sure what they were talking about with the Orlando one. But they won five in Minneapolis, and, and yeah. then to say, "Oh well, those five don't count." No, they do count. <laughs> those <totally> count. <laughs> they most definitely count. They're the same team. It's like, and like you said, you know, it's like what is the the Browns. 
you know, not the Browns or not the Ravens, you know what I mean? Are the, you know, Texans are the, um, uh, the Texans, not the Oilers or the Raiders, not the Raiders. Like, you know, it's just stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. It's again, it's finding anything they can to knock a great player. Yeah. Well, how about, um, it, you know, you kind of can come back with them and said, well, you know, after the, uh, you know, the NBA became more, uh, integrated, right? The Celtics won like five. So if yeah. we're going to give them the, the predominantly white NBA championships, <laughs> they won nine. Yeah, they won nine. And then when it became integrated, yeah, exactly. And that actually, I think it means more than, you know, the Minneapolis Lakers. And the last bit of news I have before we get into our football scores is the New England Patriots and the Denver Broncos being postponed. I had seen to week five or something like that. They're going to get a bye this week. Yeah, they're going to week um, five, and then like six other teams' games are moved now. Like it's just a whole shit show. I don't care. I was very disappointed because I wanted to watch the Patriots on Sunday, and then they said they were moving it to Monday again. And I was like, all right. But then I guess Sunday night somebody tested positive, so they had to move it again. And it's just this whole thing. It's like every team is going to run into this, and we still even the Titans who are playing Tuesday are still what are they now? Twenty three, twenty four people have tested positive with the Titans. Yeah, most and if I mean we still are in the weeds. If they get another positive test, you know we're we're in trouble there now, and then they'll they'll delay that game too. And you know the Bills are scheduled to play Thursday. You know I know they moved that game to Sunday so they could play now Tuesday and Sunday. So they've got a five day week. It's it's just a shit show. It should have been a bubble. I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm so afraid we're gonna lose because if if two more teams go down or something, they're gonna they're gonna have such a scrambling schedule issue. I don't know what they're gonna do. Well, our old friend of the show here, uh, Dylan Moran from uh, hey. on and off the field, checking us. I said these guys fire. What's good, so, Dylan? How we living, bro? Nice. Like to hear from Dylan. Um, he has, he does on and off the field. It's a show that used to be on the RTF. Uh, I mean, the All ACCS Network he used to be on here, and now he's kind of doing his own thing. And I definitely recommend you checking out his show. Him and Durf talk a lot of football. He's a big Seahawks fan, um, so definitely you know give him some crap about the uh, the pass at the two yard line. You saw it in our intro. God, what a great game that was last night, though. We'll get into the Seahawks um, first game. Well, actually, before we get into this game, uh, let's talk about how we finished up. As we know, Sully and I do our over under and our spreads. And this week, me and Sully both went seven and five against the spread. I went six and six against the over and under. Sully went five and seven. So I actually took the unless he does something tonight, you know, maybe kind of even it up. But yeah, I was off on my over unders. Went from eleven and two to five and seven. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, and then you know we're still we're still holding strong with the with the winning record on the over unders though. So keep following those bets. Now the Bears and the Bucks twenty to nineteen. The Bears improved to four and one. The Bucks go to three and two. Uh, Tom Brady has 253 yards, one touchdown. I didn't see this, but I've seen memes everywhere that he forgot it was fourth down. I didn't see the play. It, it, I saw him doing the four. You see the whole thing with him. Yeah, he went like because he like threw the ball and, you know, it was kind of like a, an errant throw. And he was like, you know, now it's fourth down, right? Like, you know, and, and Bruce Arian says he knew what he was doing. He was just trying to get an extra down kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't look like it. It didn't look very cohesive. And unfortunately, it was – you know, kind of embarrassing. Um, we can't lose that game. You know what I mean? We can't lose that game. Well, I mean, Jones plays great. 17 carries, 106 yards. So he was running the ball really well. Uh, Tyler Johnson, who I've never heard of, has 61 yards receiving. It seemed like when I was watching the game, he had like two or three catches in the span that I was watching him. I was like, yeah, he's a rookie guy. receiver from Minnesota that we got in the fifth round. I'm a big, big fan of his. Um, you know, having Chris Godwin out is hurting. You know, Mike Godwin, I mean, Mike Evans is, you know, hurt and you know, OJ Howard's done for the season. So we lost a lot of that. We're losing a lot of those weapons that we started the season off with. And, uh, you know, their defense just came to play. Khalil Mack abused Tristan Wirfs. Now I'm curious what you think of these memes coming out, because I've had to deal with them for 19 years, not 19 years, but as a Patriots fan, I've had to deal with them up until this season. And now you've got to see the memes that say Nick Foles is Tom Brady's kryptonite. I don't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> Nick Foles Jesus. is a problem. <laughs> That's what I think. But you know, everybody's like, oh, Tom Brady can't beat Nick Foles. Cool. I'm like, the eh. pass rush is Tom Brady's kryptonite. If you get Tom Brady off his spot, you're going to beat him. And, uh, you know, I mean, Khalil Mack made Tristan Wirfs look like a rookie. So, 
Khalil Mack to me is so underrated. I think because he plays in Chicago, uh, because I feel like he exists. I feel like him and Aaron Donald are on the same level. I don't think Aaron Donald's a level ahead of him. I think they're on the same level. Um, Aaron Donald has four sacks last night, boys. From the, I think the difference is Aaron Donald does it from the interior, and and that's what's so special. Um, I I do agree though. I mean, as a pass rusher, they're they're neck and neck in pressures. They're one and two in every category in pressures. Um. Let's see. Uh, any other stats here? We've got uh, David Montgomery, twenty-nine yards, nothing big. Ten receptions for Allen Robinson. So yeah, Allen Robinson nothing major. Called out, which we knew he was going to do. So, uh, but yeah, so we both got this one wrong because uh, we both picked uh, the Bucks and then we picked the uh, over. I think and uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> um, next game on the docket here, we have the Panthers twenty-three sixteen over the Falcons. We all kind of knew this was going to happen. Uh, in fact, I think that the Panthers were getting three points from the Falcons, and we both said you should take the money line on the Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why the Falcons were giving up points. Neither do I. The Falcons are bad. And, you know, as we saw, they just fired, you know, their coach and GM, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrioff are gone. Uh, I'm assuming they'll both land on their feet. You know, outside of this year, they've done fairly well. Uh, Dan Quinn will probably become a, a defensive coordinator somewhere. I assume Thomas Dimitrioff will find a front office job somewhere. But, I mean, they look bad. Well, Dimitrioff came from the Patriots, didn't he? The Bucks. The Bucks. okay. I thought he had some sort of tie to Belichick. You know? He may have in, in the past, but yeah. he was he was with the Bucks for a little while too. Like I thought he was Nick Casario before Casario. That I have no clue. All right. Anyways, but yeah, so yeah, they'll probably both something. But now we're seeing now this is uh, Billy O'Brien fired midseason. We're just talking about how rare it is to fire a coach midseason in the NFL. And, shakes everything up. and now we get this guy fired. I don't think it's going to be much longer before Gase is fired. Um, I think Patricia could lose his job before the end of the season. Uh, be a, I think this could be a record year for head coaching positions right. in, in the NFL. You're not and that, that scares me because as a Patriots fan, I feel like this is the year we're going to lose Josh McDaniels. Like he's not going to be an OC forever. Belichick wants to stick around until they break Shula's record. And obviously you're never going to force Belichick out the door ever. Um, So it's like, I feel like this is the year we could lose Josh McDaniels. I don't know. Josh has tried it and it didn't work out. And I think he like kind of feels happy back being an offensive coordinator in charge of this offense. You know, I think he's the highest paid offensive coordinator in the league, you know, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, just kind of ride your way. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd leave my spot there. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't because I think eventually you're going to take over the reins if you really want to be a head coach. But it's just, you know, I know he was really interested in that Cleveland Browns job because he's from Cleveland. Um, and I don't know, he's interviewed for a couple other positions. And obviously, if he keeps doing what he's doing as an offensive coordinator, and they're like, oh, look at what he does with uh, Cam Newton. You know, look at what he does here with so and so. It's it, Somebody's going to say, listen, we're going to get this guy in as a head coach. Yeah, but then it's look what he did during his stint as a head coach and he was awful. You know what I mean? So but again, I mean, what, some guys are really good at what they do and some guys are, are not good at managing everything. I feel like almost every head coach needs that failure to become successful. Like they learn something from that. Well, if they're good. So Bill Belichick in Cleveland, right? I mean, everyone say, oh, well, Bill Belichick in Cleveland. Why would the Patriots give up a first-round pick to have Bill Belichick as their head coach? Well, six Super Bowls later, you know. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was was crap in New England. You know, he goes to college, and he comes back, and it's like wins a Super Bowl, goes to two or three Super Bowls. And it's like, all right, well, Pete Carroll's a decent coach. Yeah, well, it also, you know, it helps getting a Tom Brady and a Russell Wilson. So if you if you can land a good quarterback and things like that, your your whole world can change. That is true. Well, again, let's say the Falcons' job. He gets there with Matt Ryan. Here, there's a question, though, that I've seen tossed around. Do you think the Falcons try to move on from Matt Ryan and Julio Jones here? Well, if they go 1-15, then I'd definitely take Trevor Lawrence and move on from Matt Ryan. Actually, you know what? I would, If Matt Ryan's still under contract, I would keep him around and have Lawrence sit a year. It's more midseason at the trade deadline. Do you think they try to move Julio Jones at the trade deadline? No. No, and, and I have another game here. We'll talk. about I think AJ, AJ Green might get moved to the trade deadline, but I don't yeah. think Julio will. I think Julio may. Uh, let's see. We got our next game is the Chiefs. This one really threw us for Lupa. The yeah. Chiefs and the Raiders, forty to twenty-four. The Raiders, and I was excited because obviously we we talk about it every week when we talk about football. I'm a huge Derek Carr fan, and I've been pumping his 
breaks or whatever you want to call it uh, since before the preseason. I was like, listen, this guy completed 70% of his passes last year for 4,000 yards, had a 26 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio or something like that. Like he's legit a good, good quarterback. And uh, I think a lot of people crapped on him. I'm hoping people are starting to come around because he had 347 yards and three touchdowns and a, a pick in this game. So, I mean, he, he outplayed uh, Patrick Mahomes. He was a better quarterback in that game. I mean, I guess. I don't know if he really was. I think Patrick Mahomes played equally as well. It's just, you know, the the defense kind of let him down. Um, I, I think that, you know, the run game also, too, from Oakland in the offensive line uh, played extremely well. John Gruden uh, had a wonderful game plan and executed it perfectly well. Uh, they kind of have a, a model now to how you can beat the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Well, what surprised me about beating the Chiefs, because we saw it the week before against the Patriots, is that the Patriots played the Chiefs very tough. But I thought that the Patriots ran the ball really well against uh, Kansas City. And I thought that for sure, um, you know, uh, Jacobs was going to have a great game. And he had an okay game, but it was really the passing game that killed Kansas City, which I thought was the exact opposite of what New England did. Well, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's you know, you just got to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field any way you can. Those time-consuming drives is key. And a guy that uh, I like, I know that you are – lukewarm on not cold but lukewarm on is uh henry ruggs with the, the two receptions and 118 yards and a touchdown and i uh, myself too for that one because he's actually I, i've always henry ruggs is pure explosiveness and i know that you could look at him and say well is he going to be another darius hayward bay right where it's just speed nothing else but i didn't think so i thought he was the perfect fit with Carr, who likes to throw that 10 12 yard pass and then ruggs can get it and do what he's got to do with it you know yeah, I mean, we could see. I mean, both he only had two receptions. To be fair, they just happened to both be like bombs. Um, and I had the opportunity to pick him up before the game and spot start him for Michael Thomas, uh, and I chose Mecole Hardman instead. Uh, that chose to bite me in the Katukas, so that didn't work out well. <laughs> well, yeah. So forty twenty four, the Raiders go to three and two. The Chiefs lose their first game four and one. I'm gonna talk at the end of all these games about some of these records that are just blowing my mind. Uh, Rams beat Washington, no surprise, <laughs> thirty to ten. The surprise here, though, is we got to see Alex Smith. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle Allen gets hurt. Alex Smith comes in, and uh, I mean, he didn't really do much. He threw for uh, thirty-seven yards, nine of seventeen passing. But I think everybody who got a chance to see it was just extremely excited for him to be in the game plan. I mean, if you were old enough and watch football, you know. During his injury, you know, you were excited to see him get back. And if you know his story at all, then, you know, you were excited to see him back. And you had to be a little nervous when you see Aaron Donald jump on his back and shit, too. But, uh, I mean, good for Alex Smith. You know, the football team is terrible. But, you know, good for him. And it's a great story. It's such a great story that if I were the Washington football team, who's now one and four, we know they're not playing for the playoffs. Although in the NFC East right now, one and four is like second place. Yeah. Um, but but you really aren't thinking about the playoffs there if you're Washington. I'm thinking it's such a great story. I would start him the fall. You know, Alex Smith's first start, big news. Uh, probably get a nationally televised game out of it. You know? He may. I mean, he may be forced to at this point. I, I don't think they go back to Dwayne Haskins at all. Um, and depending on Kyle Allen's injury, Alex Smith may be forced to start. Well, I hope so. I enjoy watching Alex Smith. Uh, other stats from this game, Jared Goff has a 300-yard passing game. Uh, no shock. And then just watching the uh, – how about this for a statistic? This one I wrote down. Total yards of offense. The Rams had 429. Washington had 108 yards for the whole game total. So passing plus Yeah, like I said, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald had four sacks in this game. He completely dominated Washington's offensive line. It was it was insane to watch. Um, a game here with a new coach, right? We get the Texans thirty to fourteen over the Jaguars. Deshaun Watson three hundred and fifty nine yards passing, three touchdowns, had two interceptions though. Uh, David Johnson ninety six yards uh, rushing. Brandon Cooks huge game, eight receptions, one hundred and sixty one yards and a touchdown. But even then, you look at the Jaguars, Minshew played well, 31 of 49, 301, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, LaVisca Chenault had 79 yards. Uh, Jacksonville lost two fumbles. I think that might have been kind of where, because if you lose them deep in the zone, it's, it's really a 28-point swing. Yeah. Think about it. Most definitely. You know, Houston just kind of capitalized on their turnovers when, when Jacksonville didn't, and that was the difference in this game. Uh, you know, Jacksonville's 
looked decent in a lot of their games. They just can't get over the hump and, and win those games that they need to. Uh, this one was a bad loss. Obviously, it's a division loss and, and to a, a team that was 0-4. So that never is good. So this one was a rough one for Jacksonville, I think. Well, let me ask you, put your general manager hat on. Gardner Minshew is 24 years old. Right now, he's completing 70% of his passes for 285 yards a game. He's got a 10 to 4 touchdown to interception ratio. Is he your future starting quarterback going forward? Uh, yeah, for me, yeah. I mean, unless I get one or two. Or, or three. You, would, you wouldn't take the Newman or Newman, whatever his name is. Trey Lance. No. Oh, Jamie Newman that I love. I wouldn't take Jamie Newman at, at three. No, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe trade back into the first and get him because he's not playing at all this year. So I don't think he's going to vault himself into that conversation. Um, he decided to opt out. Um, but I, if I have one or two and I can get Trevor Lawrence or, or Justin Fields, I take them. Other than that, I, I think I'm pretty comfortable with Gardner Minshew. But again, there's there's maybe five quarterbacks in the whole league or six quarterbacks I wouldn't take over Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields. Well, I know. That's why it's kind of a tough – that's why I was saying Newman or somebody else, like you said, in later yeah, in the round. If you have a chance to, the guy from North Dakota State. Uh, yeah, if you have a chance to get a guy like that at 14-15, would you take him and move on from Minshew? No, I'd make my offensive line better. Okay. Because that's it's it's pretty bad over there. Or I'd, I'd make the defense better. I'd figure out a way to, to get the team better around him because he's clearly a serviceable quarterback who can win football games. You know, and, and I like LaVisca Chenault. I like DJ Shark. I like the weapons they have around him. I think James Robinson's a solid player. I just think they need to get, you know, better. They need to get elite around him. That's all. All right. Um, a game I was happy to see here, the Cardinals 30-10 to 10 over the Jets, even though it's the Jets. Uh, the Cardinals, we finally get to see Kyler Murray, 380 yards passing, 31 yards rushing, a touchdown rushing, touchdown passing. Um other than that, I mean, you know, Flacco was Flacco. Uh, Le'Veon Bell had 13 carries for 60 yards. Not bad there for him. But uh, overall, I think it was the Kyler Murray show, and I'm glad to see it because I know we're both huge Kyler Murray fans. It's really a question of how bad are the Jets? Awful. <laughs> I mean, they're they're bad. bad. If, if we're playing – if I mean, if we're picking the worst team in the NFL, for me, it's the Jets by, by far. I mean, I think it's the Jets, and there's not even really an argument. I think the Jets would lose – to the Washington football team by 20. Okay. Well, so we had talked about it earlier. Is Adam Gase going to get canned before the end of the season? I mean, he has to. I, I don't I don't see how you can continue this. I don't. It blows my mind. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Uh, but it's, again, I don't, I don't know what your options are. And this, so depending on what's the deal with Darnold, I don't know how hurt he is. I know Flacco started this game. Um I think if you could, if you got in a situation where Darnold was going to be out for six or seven games, I say can Gase and who gives a shit, you know. But I feel like if you're gonna, if Darnold's going to play the majority of the season, as much as I think Gase is a quarterback killer, um, I think you have to stick with your head coach because switching middle of the season for your potentially, you know, future your franchise quarterback. I mean, depending on what they finish, again, they could end up with Trevor Lawrence, you know. Yeah, but it's not working already. Is the problem I, I have with that. You know, like it's already not working. Like, who cares if we blow it up and start over? What we have isn't working clearly. So, why not blow it up, start over, and see what we can do? You know, if that doesn't work, who gives a shit? Because what we have doesn't work anyway. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against uh, firing. I don't like Adam Gase. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Battle of Pennsylvania here, 38-29, Pittsburgh. This one actually surprised me a little bit uh, how uh, lopsided it was. The Eagles go, dropped to 1-3-1. One, and one. The Steelers, one of the two undefeated teams, I think, left at 4-0. Oh. Um, James Conner, 15 carries, 44 yards, another subpar game for him. The, well, the big story was Chase Claypool, seven receptions, 110 yards, and three touchdowns. And then he had a rushing touchdown, too, Chase Claypool did. Oh, nice. So, yeah. yeah, so he had four total touchdowns. He was pretty much their entire offense. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh's good. They're really good. T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree are are, uh, freak, are wrecking balls coming off the edges. Cam Hayward and Steven Tewitt are studs up the middle. Excuse me. My apologies. Mm. Uh, Devin Bush is solid up the middle as well. I, I mean, that team's just good. And then Ben Roethlisberger is a leader and a, and, a, and a veteran quarterback who knows how to win ball games and is not going to put his team in a spot to lose ball games. And I think they're going to be a tough team. I, I mean, I picked him to do very well. So I picked him to win the division over um, Baltimore. So, 
I know a lot of people, including our former co-host Jesse, loves the crap on Carson Wentz. Uh, but here's another game where he got sacked five times. I mean, he's actually second in the NFL in being sacked. I mean, you you can't let your quarterback play from the ground. I don't. I mean, I 100% agree. I've said it from the jump. You know, he he is playing bad, but his offensive line is making him look a lot worse. Also, he's throwing a guy named Greg Ward and, you know, like these nobody. Yeah, Lewis Fulgham and shit. Like, you know, like who are these guys? So it's, you, you know, I, I can't really blame him too much. I still think he's got a ton of talent and he can clearly win ball games, but he has regressed in my opinion. Well, let me ask because he's got a big contract, I think, because um, he signed a big contract uh, extension. But my question is, so uh, Jalen Hurts came in, completed one pass for 18 yards, one of one. Um, at some point, obviously, the more beat up he gets, you may have to be forced to move to, to Jalen Hurts. But if you're the head coach, if you're Peterson, at any point, are you thinking about making the move to Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback? At what point would you get there? I Not would- at all for the whole season? No. I mean, Carson Wentz is your guy. You know, it's kind of one of those things you're – as a quarterback, you have to believe your coach and your franchise are behind you or else you start thinking and playing out of your means and things like that. Uh, so Doug Peterson, you know, needs to stand behind Carson Wentz and, and, and actually be behind him, which I think he is. You know, I don't think there's any rumblings that Jalen Hurts will start. Uh, you know, it's it's way in the ways. If Carson, if Carson Wentz gets hurt, then maybe. I mean, obviously he'd have to play, but – so I did see that his uh, 19 sacks is, is second in the NFL. The leader has 22. Do you know who the most sacked quarterback in the NFL is? Dak Prescott. Oh, I think he's up there. Uh, Joe Burrow. Ah, uh, that makes that makes sense. That makes. <laughs> sense. That's not that's not good for the number one pick to get. <laughs> and he gets hit hard. Like he gets really hit. And his offensive line is is really bad too. Well, and the thing is, unlike Wentz, I feel like Wentz can almost kind of scramble out of the big hits into just taking a sack. I think Burrow gets drilled. Yeah, but he also can scramble really well, too. He is, He's extremely athletic also. He just doesn't know how to avoid certain hits, I feel like. Um, and then he still tries to make these plays because he's got that dog in him. But, I, I mean, I love Joe Burrow. I love it. Um, let me scroll down here. Oops, there we go. Speaking of, Ravens, Joe speaking of Joe Burrow, Ravens and the Bengals, 27-3. to uh, Another drubbing uh, of this team here. Lamar Jackson doesn't really look great at all. He's 19 of 37 for 180 yards, uh, two touchdowns and an interception. Only runs the ball twice for three yards, which is really odd with that offense. Uh, the whole rushing game in general didn't look great. Basically, what it looks like to me is, I know it says 27-3, and it looks like it was just a rout. Uh, Cincinnati lost two fumbles and threw an interception. So those three turnovers right there, that's 21 points. If they scored off of one of them, that's 28 points. So really, those three turnovers are what cost the game because the Ravens' statistics don't really impress me. Nothing stands out. I'm pretty sure they had a defensive touchdown, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, the Ravens' defense won this game, not the Ravens' offense. Lamar Jackson... You know, looks pedestrian. He, you know, I hate to say it, but he looks like, you know, everything I said he was going to be, which is, you know, an average quarterback who can run the football really well. But as a quarterback, he's pretty average. Um, but well, the for, team. For a game. Well, he's been done. He's, this is now about three games in a row now where he's looked pretty average outside of running the football. Throwing the ball, he's looked rather average this whole season. Uh, you know, and they're still winning games, which is, you know, good for them because, you know, they're a well built team. But in the playoffs, I don't think they're going to win these big games when it matters. Well, and I mentioned it earlier, A.J. Green, one target, zero catches. I think A.J. Green gets moved to the trade deadline and probably for something cheap, like a fifth or a sixth round pick. He should have gone before the season. There was all those rumblings and he should have, they should have moved him probably draft or something like that to pick up some decent capital because now that people have tape on him and see he's not moving the same way. Uh, like you said, they'd be lucky to get a fifth or a sixth, I think. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's name recognition. You, you like, exactly. want to bring in a big star. Yeah. Who can also still catch the football? Let's not get let's not get out of line here. He just doesn't have the same separation ability and high point ability and things like that. So it becomes like a Larry Fitzgerald. Not even close. But yeah, no? I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is stronger and in things like that, and knows how to work his body in the slot and gets still operation still. But yeah, I mean, he's a lesser talented Larry Fitzgerald at this point. Does Larry Fitzgerald have the best hands in football? 
He may. D-Hop is up there. I mean, anything that comes near D-Hop is a catch, too. So, I mean, at one point, I think Larry Fitzgerald definitely. He has more career tackles than drops. You know, that's the huge stat. For, yeah, well, he's a wide receiver, folks. Right, right. And that's that's nuts. And I think that <laughs> – I'd. I, I forgot to bring it up during the Texans game because uh, – not the Texans game. Oh, the Cardinals game. Because uh, DeAndre Hopkins is phenomenal. And I thought watching him last year, the way he goes up and gets the ball is insane. And in traffic with hands in his face, hands in his arms, he catches these balls. like He has glue on his hands. Somebody today on Facebook had said something to the effect of, other than Randy Moss in his prime, the best wide receiver he's ever seen was DeAndre Hopkins. And – I don't know. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins. I know I'm a big Megatron fan, and we've had this discussion about how you think Megatron's like a tier below Randy Moss. I think he's on the same level. Um, how about Megatron versus D Hop? I, I got Megatron over D Hop. They're two separate wide receivers, though. Megatron, like you said, is such an athletic freak. D Hop's a pure technician. Um, every like, if you put D Hop's technical skills in Megatron's athletic body, I mean, that's the that's the premier wide receiver you could ever build in your life. Um, I, he's working his way up my rankings. I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, what he's doing on the football field right now is extraordinary to watch. Um, he, he's, he's, like I said, he's such a technician The his ability to high point the ball and especially in traffic is something that I don't think we've seen in a very, very, very long time. Right. So basically he's like, he uses his body the same way Antonio Brown uses his body, except he's six three, six four. He's he, and I mean I'm not saying this, but because settle down, folks. But he uses his body and and this and gets separation and, and routes a lot of the same way Jerry Rice did, and and I think he's just you know open and makes catches that he's supposed to make, and then he will make catches he's not supposed to make too. And it felt like when I watched him last year in Houston, at least every game, I think maybe two games I watched him, I say every game, but I watched him for a couple of games, and it, I felt like every ball he caught was in traffic. Like, oh. I, don't, I don't know if it, I felt like he just didn't have a lot of wide-open catches, and maybe that's the offense, maybe that was Deshaun Watson, but I just felt like he was always in traffic making catches. Well, he's also double-teamed pretty much every play in, in Houston, so that was the other you know issue. But, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of their their stuff is just kind of throw it up and let let DeAndre catch it. That's why they kind of moved in, moved away from him. Yeah. Another surprise game, forty-three to seventeen. <laughs> the Dolphins completely bury the 49ers. Um, I mean, the Dolphins improved to two and three. The 49ers to two and three. And uh, Fitzmagic, twenty-two of twenty-eight, three hundred and fifty yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I feel like. I mean, we talked about it when we we're doing. The, I said, you know, Fitzgerald's going to have uh, is going to have a huge game. Whatever it was, um, Fitzgerald, Fitz, uh, <clears throat> whatever Fitzpatrick, he's going to have a great game. I feel like Fitzpatrick has more of these types of games than he doesn't. It feels like. I agree, but I, at the same time, I think he also. Ha- I think so more of these games than he. I don't. I don't know. I disagree. I think he has more of these games than he has bad games, but I think he has more mediocre games than anything. Let me say that. I don't. know. I feel like every game, at least this season, it seems like he's thrown for over three hundred yards more times. Like I mean, three out of four games. Although, um, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the one game that they won the other, day, even though he was like eighteen of twenty for like two hundred yards, you know what I mean? But he still had an incredible game, you know. But it statistically wise, it was rather average. Um, I think he's fantastic. I've argued for Fitzpatrick for a long time that they shouldn't play Tua and they should play Fitzpatrick. So you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, yeah I, I like uh, Fitzpatrick a lot. Um, the question here, Jimmy Garoppolo goes 7 of 17, 77 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And then, of course, uh, Yanked at halftime. Yeah, I mean, is he done in San Francisco? I mean, I mean, he can't be, right? Like, well, he's got like $80 million left on his contract. <laughs> Well, not just that. Two games ago, they were twenty-six and four without him, or something like that, or twenty-six and four with him, and like five and twenty-six without him, or something like that. So it's like you know he's clearly a valuable member, and he makes that offense work. Uh, you know he's coming off an injury. I don't know. Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's worse than we think. I- I'm not really sure, but uh, he did obviously looked like terrible. And maybe you know Miami's secondary is legit. I mean they've spent their money on their corners, and maybe they were just able to hold those wide receivers in check. All right, it could be that. Um, 
I'm honestly not sure. That one baffled me too, to be fair. Uh, the Cowboys win 37-34, and huge injury with Dak Prescott here. Very reminiscent of the Gordon Hayward injury. If you saw it up close, like it was disgusting. Um, his ankle and foot, how it was Just turned, and hanging yeah. there like limp, fucking. Yeah. It was very. Like said, if you remember Hayward, cause I remember watching Hayward, and like it was like turned like completely. Like, it was you know yeah. he was like in shock. Like he wasn't even. Um, but yeah, so they win 37-34. Dak comes out of the game with the injury. Uh, the really. No surprise here. They should have beaten the Giants, who are zero and five now. The Cowboys at two and three have the best record in the NFC East. They're number one. Um, so, my question though is, you know, Stephen Jones says, you know, Dak Prescott is still our future going forward. Um, I agree. I don't think they really have anywhere else they can go, especially if they win the division again. I mean, you have to re-sign Dak Prescott. My question is, does this give the players more ammunition to get rid of the franchise tag? It'll never go away, I don't think. Um, but yes, it gives them more ammunition. I mean, to a little bit. I mean, he's still making thirty-one million dollars for the rest. He still gets that money because it's completely guaranteed. So he right. still gets that money. Um, it's just next year he may get nothing if the ankle never actually gets any better, and he's going to lose out on a massive amount of money because there's no way somebody signs him for forty million now. Well, and that's that's why I say the argument against the franchise tag is not so much him never playing again or or not or getting nothing. It's the fact that this was a prove it year, like prove that you deserve forty million dollars a year. And you come up, you have three games in a row, four hundred and fifty yards pass, and we talked about this. He looks like just an absolute monster statistically. And then this injury. So now even if he comes back with a full, clean bill of health in the offseason, if you're an NFL team, no way you're giving him 40 million even if he's healthy you're just like hey, you know he only played four games last year you know i'll give you 30 you know which is what he would get in the franchise yeah well he'd get a little more he'd get more and the salary cap's going to go down to this year so um but he'd get a little more because it has to go up um but still i honestly think he's going to get a heavy incentive laden based contract you know and he'll, he'll if he if he meets all of his incentives he'll get to his 40 million but the Cowboys are going to be able to write all this language in that says, you know, if you don't play 16 games, if you don't throw for five thousand or for 4,500 yards, you know, all this shit, then you don't get this money, but we'll still pay you 25 mil or 30 mil. You know what I mean? Um, and we'll still give you the long-term deal. We'll give you a five-year, you know, $25 million deal with the ability to make 40, which, you know, as a football player, you can't hate, but I think that's kind of the language that'll be written into it now. I And – as a player agent, if I'm thinking and I'm negotiating this contract and that's what they're coming at me with, like we're going to do this, you have the ability to make 40, but you got to hit all these achievements. Um, as the agent, I almost want to say, okay, fine. That's what you're putting on the table. If we agree to this, two things that I want in there, if he hits all the incentives year one, the rest of the contract becomes guaranteed. Two, a player option after year one. I mean, it'll never happen. <laughs> you can ask for it all you want. Um, nothing like that would ever happen. But I don't hate the idea of it. I think it more if you're going to sign the five years, I would agree. I would say, hey, like after two or three, let's have a player option and see if I want to keep on um, at this point. You know, but it, it'll be tough. It'll be definitely an interesting negotiation. And he loses all his power now, which you know is the main point. Is now he he was in here with all this leverage and he had he had literally every power chip he could move, and in one fail swoop they're all gone. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's, it's just another. And it's just so sad to see him on the field too crying when he was leaving was just so sad. Yeah, and, he, and you feel for him. I hope I hate when people are like, "Oh, this guy's a pussy because he's crying." Or like, dude, come on, if, if your foot was turned ninety degrees the wrong way, like let's see how you. And, think, and not just that, it's not just the pain. It's think about what's think going on in his head. You know, he is thinking this whole year, too. He's thinking what we're commenting. You know, this is my life. This is my contract. You know, am I ever going to play again? Am I ever going to get the money I wanted? All this is running through his head while he's on the field. You know, meanwhile, his ankle's falling off. So it's like, you know. And you think about grown men football players crying. This was sad. But I thought you remember uh, Luke Keekley crying on the field with the, the concussion. That was just disturbing. It was like, Whoa. yeah, that was scary. I mean, that was yeah. the point where you were like, well, this is why guys blow their heads off. Right. <laughs> like, um, 
The Cleveland Browns win 32-23 against the Colts. The Browns improved to 4-1. and one. Uh, They are looking pretty good in that division. Although, you know what's funny? That division right now is 5-0, 4-1, 4-1. So it's going to be a, a race to the top of that division. Yeah, and, meanwhile, they've uh, none of them have played each other. They haven't played each other yet. And Baker Mayfield again looks average. He just looks average. I mean, 247 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um I keep waiting for it because I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan and I really keep waiting for him to take that step, you know, to have those Dak Prescott games, the 400 yards passing. It just seems like he's never going to do it. I don't think they want him to. I think this team is really, I think set on running the football extremely well and then letting that defensive line just own people. So I, I think that's kind of the way they're built. You know, I mean, Miles Garrett's, you know, arguably the defensive player of the year right now. Um, he's just playing out of his mind. So, and that running game is just really, really, really tough to stop. And, and they're just crushing teams with it. So, you know, as Baker Mayfield can just do enough, essentially, they can win ball games. And then we have the Seattle Seahawks 27 26 over the Vikings. Uh, they improved to 5 and 0, the Vikings to 1 and 4. Uh, Russell Wilson, 20 of 32, uh, 217 yards, but another three touchdowns, two of them to DK Metcalf. Uh, So he's continuing to have a a dominating season. And then Kirk Cousins, 27 of 39, 249, nothing major there. Uh, Alexander Mattinson, or Madison, I've never heard of, 20 carries, 112 yards. uh, And then uh, Cook, 17 for 65. So who is Madison? Why have I never heard of him? He's got more carries than Cook. Well, Dalvin Cook went down and had an MRI. Um, and so that's why, um, that's why Madison got the carries because Dalvin Cook got injured. Um, and Madison's a very good back. I mean, he's a he's like one of the key handcuffs. If you have Dalvin Cook, you had to have Madison because as soon as he steps in, Madison's a, a really good player. Like he's a very serviceable back. He's not just some scrub. Um, so uh, you know, we're not sure how this Dalvin Cook MRI will turn out. They said it turned out well, but I don't know. What they like no results were released so you know madison may be a smooth little pickup and a good play but i mean this is just a constant reminder of always take your points in the nfl all right and again russell wilson do you think russell wilson's the mvp favorite he's got to be right Mm, i don't know i still think i've got aaron Rodgers up there i think um just because i think they look a little more dominant so now a statistic i wrote down is how about this there are 12 teams in the NFL right now. So there's 30, 32 teams. So there's 12 out of the 32 teams have zero or one win. Wow. So it is a really a wow. you know, lose, lose for Lawrence type of season. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of teams. I didn't know. Yeah. That. Wow. There's a lot of bad teams in the NFL this year. Because when I was going through, I, was, you know, I put the records down when I'm writing the scores. And yeah. I'm like, Jesus, there's a lot of teams that only have one win or zero wins. So I went through and I add them all up. I'm like, there's 12 teams that have one or fewer wins. <laughs> that's how much? That's uh, 16. Damn, that's like 30% of the league. Yeah. I mean, look, at you got the Texans 1-4, and four, the Jags 1-4, and four, the Giants 0-5, the Jets 0-5. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, Philadelphia is 1-3-1, and one, and they're in second place in their division. Second place in that division, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then you got the Saints and the Chargers tonight. You could have another offer, you know. Now, uh, the last game I have here is the one for tonight. Yeah, the Saints and the Chargers. Uh, 50 is the over-under, uh, plus seven uh, for the Chargers. I was going through some statistics here to look at these teams, and uh, they seem actually pretty even in terms of what they do versus what they give up. Like, the Saints give up 30 points per game. They also average 30 points per game. The Chargers give up 25 they average 21 they both give up the same number of rushing yards that they get, that they rush for and they give up the same number of passing yards that they pass for uh the the downside i think is that um the saints do seem more susceptible to the pass than to the run uh their their opponents average under 100 yards rushing but their opponents average almost 250 yards passing and the way that justin herbert's been slinging the ball um i see him airing out and probably having a 355 yard passing game against his defense uh, it's also a very athletic defense, though, so they could he could have 355 yards and two picks. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say my prediction here is I would take the Chargers and I would take the seven. I think the Saints may end up winning, but I would take the Chargers and the seven and way over. I think this is going to be like a 65-point. 
I agree with both of them. Honestly, I, if I'm actually betting this game, I'd buy a half a point, to be fair, um, and make sure I get seven and a half so I don't just push a game. But I get, I get it to seven and a half, and I take the over also. This game should go way over. Both teams have terrible defenses, and both teams, you know, Justin Herbert is slinging that tater all around the football field, and he looks fantastic. Uh, he, he does look really, really good. Um, so that is our show. We're at 59 minutes and 36 seconds. We just came in. We usually, we usually go over, so that's incredible. Way over, so. <laughs> uh, definitely appreciate anybody who tuned in. I, I, I see people kind of checking in, and it checks out, checking in, checking out. So people kind of checking in on us. We appreciate you checking and watching. Obviously, give us your comments. We love talking with the fans, interacting with them. Uh, Triple Shot Sports is usually a regular. We saw Dylan. We haven't heard from him in a while. It was cool to see from him. Um, always kind of shoot us your comments. Visit us even when we're not on the air. I mean, go to Twitter, go to Instagram. We'll hit you up, you know, comment on a photo that we post. We try to get memes out there. Uh, I like to crap on Tyler Harrow. I'll probably do a couple more of those now that he's. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, but definitely appreciate uh, everybody, uh, you know, watching tonight. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Like, truly, you know, we can't say it enough. We, we love the support. It, it truly means so, so, so much to us. You know, Dylan, we haven't seen you in a while. We appreciate it. You know, I always see on and off on there, and I make sure I give it a watch. Uh, you know, anybody, again, like Wayne said, comment. You know, we're, we're very open. We love to talk. So get on out there. We love you, folks. All right. Hey, do you want to throw it to uh, Kenny? Yo, Kenny! Kenny!